girls and women around the world are being forced into another religion, married in many cases to much older men in an effort to bring shame and even break the spirit of the followers of Jesus. Even when some of these girls or women are rescued or escaped, they often find their community not so welcoming and are victimized again. So what can we do to help our sisters in Christ? I'm joined on this special Holy Week episode of Closer to the Fire by Emma Dipper. Emma is the founding director of Gender and Religious Freedom and a partner with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. And later in this episode, Emma will be giving us some biblical insight into suffering, risk, persecution, and resilience. And joining us north of London from the All Nations Christian College is Emma Dipper. Emma, nice to see you again. Nice to be with you, Greg. Thank you. We're going to talk about something that is very difficult, and uh, so many of our sisters in Christ, young women and girls being kidnapped and forced in many cases into Islam. I mean, this is not an easy topic. Uh, also in India, we're going to be talking about a particular story from there as well. Before we get into some of the stories, Emma, I mean, how do you personally deal uh, with the challenges of hearing so many of these distressing stories? It's very much, it's, um, you still have to have somewhere to put it. Um, and theologically, you put it at the foot of the cross, you know, right. that that's where you have to just put it to the Lord. But for me, emotionally, and um, just as a sister, I have to just breathe a deep sigh of like, oh, Lord, help. And so often my my reaction is just one of a, a sister to a sister or a brother, really, like, Lord, help them and, and help me to not try and fix them and rescue them because that's only for the Lord to do. But show me a way, you know, if, if, if there is something that I should be doing or saying on their behalf, then then do that. And then I, I sort of just do some of the light relief, walk the dog, um, I live in a really beautiful spot, so I find real solace and comfort from creation. And so I'll just go and have a stomp. I'll have a walk and I'll go and um, I don't know if you'd use that phrase in Canadian English, but stomping around and just getting it out of my system when I'm really, really angry or distressed on the stories that come into my phone and my emails, etc. I like that actually stomp because, you know, sometimes I think as Christians, we think we're not supposed to have maybe that kind of anger or distress you know hey, trusting jesus things will be great but reality is so many of our friends in the body of christ are suffering so what led you to get involved in this emma obviously you didn't just sort of pop in one day say i, I want to do this it's usually a process so explain Yes, actually, um, Greg, I was in a family of boys, so I was the only daughter, so I was used to climbing trees and never thought that I would be um, involved in ministry that primarily was with uh, women initially. Nowadays, we, we're really looking at the issues of men and women and how unique they are, but I came to it because um, I saw a gap and I thought, let's get involved. So I was a volunteer, so so many of our listeners will be volunteering and getting involved just because they, they want to and they they care deeply. I had had a background in, in development work and relief work. So I'd worked in Afghanistan and seen what has happened there um, with women living uh, very isolated under a huge amount of oppression. Um, I'd been in sort of warring situations in the Congo. Um, so I'd seen what was happening there. And also in Zambia, where I worked for um, a year as a, as a nurse in a, in a hospital there. So for me, it was just building on what God was revealing to me. So nothing special. 
but just building on on his revelation and for him preparing the way and saying look emma this is the way walk in it and so that's how it developed and so i now yeah have a much wider ministry across many organizations but actually my greatest um privilege is to be working with voice of the martyrs canada well we certainly appreciate having you and the expertise that you bring you know, when you see so much, you know, in Afghanistan and uh, some parts of Africa, I mean, you've seen a lot of suffering. How has that impacted your faith personally and your relationship with Jesus? I was talking about this the other day, and I remember very clearly coming back from being in, in Zambia. And we were singing an old chorus now it is, and it was, Ascribe greatness to our God the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are just. And I remember weeping as I sang it and I couldn't get the words out because right at that point in time, all him being perfect and all his ways just grated against my experience. And so as I've come through this and I've, as I've sort of wrestled with God, I've seen he is perfect. He is just but we live in a broken world where there is times when we we um we have to lift up his voice be his hands his feet and so that's that's really how it's emerged that i've i yeah i wrestle with it but also i cling to scripture i was reading actually psalm 88 this morning and it's the only psalm of lament that doesn't conclude with a resolution back to God. It's the one that leaves the psalmist open to crying, to just saying to him, come on, Lord, what's happening? And it then doesn't resolve it, as it says all the other laments do. And I find that incredibly comforting, that we can absolutely follow the king of of the heavens and the earth. We can see the glory of the Lord in so many things. And we can we can call out to him at these points and say, Lord, I just don't get it. You know, please have mercy. I mean, the reason I asked that, Emma, you know, and how you're dealing with it, because over the last 20 years, I've traveled to, you know, dozens of nations, I've met yeah. hundreds of persecuted Christians and heard so many tragic stories. Yeah. And, you know, it does play into your faith. And for me personally, one of the things that's helped me is to realize there is eternity waiting. And all the death and the tears and all the pain will be gone. Is that something that you think a lot about eternity that, hey, we're just here for a short period of time. There's so much human suffering, but at some point in time, this will be done and the God of heaven will judge all these things that have happened. I, I was reading this morning, actually, that I'm one day closer to my death, but one day closer to meeting Jesus face to face. Oh, my word, Greg, <laughs> you know, that gives me hope. You know, it really is. And I think, you know, sometimes we we need to have that balance of keeping our eye on eternity and seeking God's purpose as we are part of building his kingdom. But honestly, that comfort and that eternal perspective, I'm sure you've seen the same for you, is a perspective that actually Christians who face persecution have more, much more because we, we've got the comforts around us, Greg, haven't we? We, we don't yearn for that as much but they have this tangible quality of just saying lord you know come now lord jesus you know come and uh, yeah no i totally agree with you that is very very real okay later on we're going to get into some teaching that uh, you you do 
uh, you know, have a teaching when it comes to how we are to be able to understand this from a biblical perspective, that suffering is a part of the gospel. And, uh, you know, as we're recording this, we're in Holy Week. So Friday, we remember the, you know, the death, the sacrifice of Jesus. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And I mean, without that, we have no hope. And to be honest, I doubt that you and I would be doing anything close to this if there wasn't the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus. So that's coming up. But I want to talk about some of the specific stories. Uh, you know, and I got to admit, over the last several years, uh, the stories of girls and women uh, being kidnapped and, and forced into another religion as, as believers in Jesus, forced into these marriages. I mean, it is a horrible situation, breaks our hearts, and it should, and we should pray. Uh, one that we recently heard about from India uh, is a lady named Sunita, and she is from Bihar, which is in the eastern part of India, borders Nepal. And uh, she was, uh, you know, asked by a local to come to their home somebody was sick and sort of the guys that they wanted to hear more about her ministry but she was being set up emma to be sex trafficked i mean i just you know i just can't imagine what her husband and her family and community would have felt at such a horrible thing yes you lose every sense of community when the people that you have served you cannot trust anymore the people who you have have gone out to really bring the truth of jesus to they're the ones that literally are leading you know sunita like a lamb to the slaughter and so that's what happened that uh, you know, she went out just as he said greg and she was trafficked and what happened was the trail was dead so they they couldn't find out at that point whether um where she had gone and when they wanted to report it to the police um as a um, as an official complaint and an offense that happened they wouldn't really take any notice of it so it wasn't until um one of our um our potential partners um got involved and they have people on the ground who are very very good at connecting with the networks and they started to work really hard to make sure the case was brought to the, the police and that the police themselves cascaded it to other police authorities particularly in the cities so uh, that's what they were able to do and do we know where things are at right now because i mean obviously she has been traumatized uh, horrible things have happened to her uh, do, do we have any kind of update at this point, Emma? Yes, Greg. Uh, what happened was she was taken on the 21st of February this year, and there was an enormous call to prayer, particularly from the partner and from other contacts that we heard. And so many, many people prayed. And incredibly, they still call it miraculous that she was discovered on the 19th of March by actually police officials, because they do have uh, special departments that actually uh, deal with them um, tra anti-trafficking. And so they uh, found her and then they took Took her to a sort of government-held um, rehabilitation uh, debriefing centre, which I have to say isn't the most compassionate of places, um, because they 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 made to go over the ordeal in a lot of detail and probably not with a level of sensitivity that we would hope she would have. So yes, it has left her very traumatised, and for a while, and um, I heard that she wasn't able to speak, and so. For some of these um, issues, she is, you know, it, it will be ongoing. And I think what we need to remember, particularly as we think of praying for her and her husband, and that's Pastor Ramdrash, 
is that they are now having to deal with the shame of the violations done against her uh, because it's such a public case. So that means that they remain in prison in their hearts and minds, even though she's not imprisoned with the sex trafficking. It's being victimized again. I mean, that's, I mean, we hear of these stories, you know, even where these girls in Nigeria have been kidnapped by the Boko Haram. You know, some of them have been released. Of course, many of them are still being held captive, but they return to their communities and they're ostracized. They're put down. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to us. I mean, they're the victims. In this case, do you think there will be any justice, uh, you know, against the people that have done this horrible thing to Sunita? They have arrested the trafficker. Um, but of course, it's a huge network. You know, we know it's the greatest, um, it's greatest global income is, uh, is people trafficking. So um, yeah, we that, that individual will be um, quite quite possibly um but she that what happens is this is a very effective tool in terms of persecution because you target the individual and particularly the perceived purity of the woman that affects the whole identity of not just her but her family and their status and therefore and, and therefore they feel like they have to remove themselves from the community in which they were serving which means it's incredibly effective so dear pastor ramjash you know he's had a ministry there they've had three children one has died because they had a disability um, but so now with two children alive and they will probably have to relocate. So they've lost everything. Um, and so they need, uh, you know, an incredible amount of support moving on and starting ahead. And also, you know, we're very aware of children's emotional needs often, but that's because we've learned that over the last 10, 20 years, you know, that these children won't always have adults around them who are thinking to look after their emotional needs. They won't be talking to them about what's happened to mummy and they will, and therefore, you know, there, there will need to be a lot of emotional support for their children, but that those needs appear to be unmet at the moment. Yeah, one of the things I was, you know, glad to hear about, you know, Emma, is the fact that the law enforcement actually did something about it. I mean, we hear from other countries, Pakistan is an example, we'll talk about that in just a moment, where, you know, a girl is kidnapped and the family go to police and nothing happens. And, you know, so again, they're victimized again. So, I mean, in that case, it's, you know, that's, that's encouraging, but are these young girls and women, are they being taken because they're Christians? That, that's absolute fact. They're being taken because they're Christian and Sunita would be identified as a Christian and the wife of a leader. So she ha holds the most level of vulnerability. And so what we're hearing, and, and I think maybe our listeners would be thinking this, you know, why are we always talking about women sometimes and not men? Well, actually for years, Greg, we didn't hear these stories as well, but we're beginning to ask the right questions by the right people. And so, and we see evidence says that there's much more extreme and many more um, violations done against women than there are men, many more different types of violations. We haven't proved that women are more persecuted. I think figures will, will show that maybe in years ahead, but many more extremes of violations are done against women than men. Why weren't we hearing more? Because, uh, you know, I've been, you know, with the Voice of the Martyrs for 20 years and I've heard some stories, but now, you know, when you hear in Pakistan, as an example, a thousand girls 
uh, from, that are minorities, many of them, of course, in that Muslim country, are Christian. Uh, why are we? Why didn't we not hear about it more? And as you said, I guess maybe that's the answer. We just weren't asking the right questions. I think also the effectiveness of targeting um, women, um, because as I said, um, it is their perceived sexual purity that they're trying to violate and ruin. You destroy that, you destroy the Christian community, you destroy the image bearers of Christ. And so that's a very targeted approach. And the second thing is that, Greg, that we had too many men talking to too many men who weren't asking questions of women. And so, you know, it's just the way that, that we just need to develop so that we can actually continue to, to be hearing men. And, and, and that's something that um, I've been talking about for the last 10 years. And there's definitely an up, upward uh, trajectory of people going, yes, let's listen to both men and women and let men have permission to talk about their women as well. Um, because sometimes, again, the, you know, the, the shame that men feel when things have been done to their wives. Yeah. We haven't unpacked that, Greg. Like, for instance, how many, um, how many places have you been where men have had trauma care? I haven't. It's mostly no. women. Right. So I think we are neglecting men in some ways. And, and I'm determined, Greg, that as long as I'm on earth, that men and women, their, their needs will be addressed um, according to their, their true needs. And I think men, there are some neglects we have there as well. Yeah, you know, and uh, when I started traveling, it would be just the guys, you know, we would go yeah. into some of these places and we would hear the stories. And, and our thought was, is the women probably were not opening up as much as they could because it was men. Um, you know, again, coming from the Western culture, it's very different in many of these places, the way that just the, the way that things operate. And as we started to bring more women with us, stories started to emerge that uh, these, uh, these ladies and these girls were, were, were so traumatized. And, you know, you know, yes, forgiveness was, you know, was a part of it. And, but the, the trauma part. So when you think of Sunita, she is going to need help. And I know that we're working on some things right now. And I think we're going to broaden this uh, because this is just something that we need to do to, you know, to restore these ladies and, and you know, and restore their families. Um, yeah. The importance of this, Emma, I mean, it's different than delivering Bibles. We need to do that and practical mm -hmm. care yeah. and evangelism and all the things that we need to Amen. do. <laughs> but if we don't get these people healthy, these ladies and girls healthy, you know, they're not going to be able to do much for the kingdom in their pain. That's right. And when you have the broken image bearers of Jesus, the men and the women, and often they come in conflict with each other as well yeah. through various social and cultural and, and even distorted theological reasons, you know, think of their witness as, as Christ's um, body there in places where they're minority. It's so important that we walk alongside them to in order to strengthen even the relationships between husbands and wives, men and women, boys and girls. And so that's one of the projects we're hoping to start in India is looking at that, even talking to young boys, young men about um, how, you know, not to normalize violence against women, which it has been in India, but really addressing, bringing the compassion of Christ, the way that he spoke to women, the way he raised them up. There's so much there. Um, and, and, and he knew that that was a necessity. You know, the last thing he did on the cross was to, to, to provide a mother for his youngest disciple actually and to provide a son for his mother you know jesus knew that 
Yeah, you know, it's sometimes, you know, when you think about how Jesus was so pro-women and how he trusted women, even the ones that, you know, found out that he had been resurrected from the dead. And, and when we think of that culture that, you know, the witness of a woman was far less than a man. So Jesus was pro that and how we've lost that. And But I, I'm thankful that it is regaining, at least in some parts of the body of Christ. I want to talk about a couple of uh, young ladies from yeah. Pakistan. We have Arzu Raja. And as she was kidnapped in Pakistan, a 44-year-old neighbor, he saw her, he took her. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, the family was able to find out where she was. They went to court. Originally, the court didn't do anything. I mean, she was 13 years old. And in Pakistan, you have to have parental permission, uh, you know, if they're younger than 18. And that was clear that she was not, but there were people that falsified information. I mean, this these kinds of things just don't comprehend. I, I mean, I've got three daughters and I've got two granddaughters and maybe that's why I've become more passionate about this. I would like to think that even if that wasn't, you know, having all these amazing women in my life and my wife as well, but it's, it's something that strikes at the heart, you know, so Arzu is kidnapped. Uh, they find out where she is. They go to court. The court, of, you know, originally says, no, she gets to stay with a husband public pressure, human rights groups, Christians, and the media brought attention to this particular story. He was arrested, charged with kidnapping and forcible uh, conversion and marriage and those things. And, and we pray that justice will be served. But she was so traumatized when given the opportunity to go back to her family. She didn't want to do that. And, and I probably is what happened is she has been threatened and her family has been threatened. How do we come into situations like that or support those in, in Pakistan to be able to help Arzu and her family? Yeah. So, I mean, this, this is so complex, Greg. And I think where we need to start is as, as soon as Arzu realized she was a girl, she would have been known that she was worth less than her brothers. And so as she grew up, she may or may not have had access to education, but she probably would have had less education than other, other male relatives. And so when it comes to that, what, what happened to her being taken, she carries with her that whole identity of I have brought um, a curse, I have brought um, bad, bad, badness upon my family. And they, she wouldn't know what to do with that. And so, and also they wouldn't know, we don't, we don't know how we could actually just intervene even theologically, emotionally, you know, in terms of psychotherapy and things in this. And Greg, this is going to take an act of the, the gentle work of the Holy Spirit, because truth has to prevail. Yes. And we know that, that Christ in his mercy, he said, I've taken my shame, your shame upon me you know i've taken all that has been done to you as well as the sins of your yourself um but that doesn't always translate and so it does take enormous amount of of actually one of the key things when people return in nigeria india is community integration and acceptance and that's really that's a whole program in itself and probably that's what's needed is for people to lead to love her to show compassion to it's like a bereavement they should be giving they should be bringing meals every evening to help them through their trauma and their losses rather than going oh you know what's happened to her so there's a huge journey that they would need to go through and i'm not surprised she is as she is i'm i'm very sorry to say so the church also needs education too 
in helping when these when these girls are returned and and unfortunately many of the girls are not i mean there's a story right now that we have been following and i've been personally praying for this for since i heard about it back in october 2019 uh huma Yunus. i've been talking about her in my meetings i mean here's a girl that was also kidnapped and uh, the kidnapper's brother was a part of the police and they threatened to kill the family and so she's many kilometers away uh, she was able to just 14 years old but she was able to make a phone call to her parents and i when I was reading this, I, I and I put myself in this situation, and I think we and you think, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Well, the Bible says, you know, we're a part of the body of Christ. If one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So we think of Huma, 14 years old, now 15. She's in a room. She's locked away. She's being abused. She's able to tell her parents that she's being confined, and now she's pregnant. I mean, how do we even get our brains around that and say, you know what? I just give up. I, I don't think I can do anything. Of course, we know we can, Emma. We can pray. But what else can be done? How can we better serve the church? I mean, we pray that Huma will be soon returned, but how do we help her parents? How do we help the Christian community? Because as you said before, it's one of the ways that really comes at the church in a hard way to, to demoralize and, and, and just to, to almost at times want to give up. That's right. And you know what happens if you look at, um, at Genesis 1 to 3, you can see the fulfillment of the strategy of evil that was done there, that actually we distrust, you know, we say that you're pure. And therefore, if your purity is, is broken, then it, uh, then it affects me. Hmm. There is that, 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 that disunity between one and the other. And you can just see that strategy. It's nothing new at all. But I think what's really important, particularly in Holy Week, actually, is to remember what we started with, actually, um, our discussion about looking, looking heavenward, yeah. that we are, but Greg, we're between the two gardens. And we're aiming for the, the you know, we're, we're between the Garden of Eden and then that final, you know, that Jerusalem, that new city. And so in terms of probably what the church needs, and I'm not just talking about the church in Pakistan, the church in the UK where I am, the church in Canada, we need to look at a rest, uh, just restored theology that doesn't let any of these things, these lies come. Like for instance, if abuses are happening within a home in anywhere in the world, do we just tell the woman just to shut up and to pray? Often that is the case. But actually what we're saying is if we're going to see people reach their very potential in Jesus, there are ways that we need to support them, to give them safety, to actually make sure that people are, um, face the justice that they need to and to protect the children as a result of those injustices done. So there is actually, um, Greg, there's been some training that I've been on and that members of VOM have been on called Restorations. And this is a whole new movement of, of just re-examining a biblical narrative of how God can restore the relationship between men and women. And I'm really excited about that. So that might be something we can talk about another time. Yeah, definitely we will. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so grateful for what you're doing and, and others are doing and, you know, helping, you know, these, these women and these families uh, with the trauma. Uh, the reality is all of us will die with scars, but we pray that there will be healing along the way so we can be effective in what we're doing. Now, as I mentioned, uh, you are at a college, All Nations Christian College, north of London, and uh, this is Holy Week. And, you know, so we can tie in together. These things are happening. 
uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering. And uh, so you do teaching on, you know, suffering, risk, persecution, and resilience. So, I mean, it's a whole course, but we're just going to, you know, take, you know, 10 minutes or so here to get the highlights. But first off, Emma, what led you to want to be able to teach this kind of theology and these practical things from the Bible? Uh, there was a mixture of things, actually, Greg. First of all, it's because I've worked in quite dangerous places. So I had a fair amount of training on uh, resilience and security. So um, and that didn't include just the practical, but also the spiritual. You know, am I am I ready to take my 18 month old um, daughter to a war zone if that seems to be God's call on my life well interestingly yes God did give give us that amount of faith and he gave the grandparents enough faith for us to go and and live in Afghanistan during the Taliban period and that that was that was a whole journey in itself but also amongst that Greg I have to say that I've faced many bereavements myself and my family a lot my brother has had five children and three of their children have died and so we have really had to explore the pain of suffering, not just in terms of discipleship, which is our ministry with, with VOM, you know, just that discipleship journey as we face persecution and suffering, but also within the context of the brokenness of the world and how actually it's bereavements and pain that often people say, but why, Lord? And, and, I've, and I've done that. So I've just, it's just a little bit, part of my journey is to say, you know, Lord, can I just try and find a few, few more? more answers than I had a few years ago and so that's where it's rooted from from bereavements but also working in the ministries that we work in you know the thing that I didn't realize when I joined the voice of the martyrs and I knew that there was you know teaching on suffering and persecution in the bible what I didn't understand it was through Glenn Penner uh, who used to be the CEO yeah. of voice of the martyrs Canada really a brilliant theologian and brought a lot of this to understanding through in the shadow of the cross which is his great theological book. I encourage you to get it from VOM Canada, but is the theme of persecution from Genesis to Revelation. And that was really an eye-opener. And as I started to read the scripture, I would see it throughout that there is a cost to following Jesus. And some of our brothers and sisters pay a greater cost than others, but persecution is a part of it. So when we, when you go in and you teach, um, you know, not only, you know, Westerners, you know, from the UK and Canada, United States and other places, but when you go into nations where persecution is happening, what has the response been and what is kind of your main message to them, if you could summarize that? Well, um, I'll talk about actually train, talking to North Korean believers. Um, so the two things that I would teach about is the book of Job. And that's because when you've been in a, such a restricted state like North Korea, um, the message that I felt was you need to know that the suffering that you have endured isn't because in this case you did anything wrong. So it was very important for them to see that actually Job was a righteous man in which God um, allowed the giving and the taking away of him. And honestly, that really, really um, comforts them. It brings them a real hope and it corrects um, a wrong teaching that they would have um, assumed coming from, from North Korea. And then where I land it is obviously in the life of Christ. And, and that's, that's exactly where we we would want to be and just taking up your own cross daily and how unique the cross is to each and every one because i think often 
particularly for us and for those listening, we look at our persecuted brothers and sisters and we go, oh, but my life isn't as bad as that. You know, oh no, I should really, I shouldn't say this. And I always say, do not dumb down the, the things that the Lord is taking you through That's in right. order to build you and strengthen you. Don't let the evil one diminish the learning that God has for you. So I often take them to to Romans chapter five, verse three onwards. And it reads this, not only so, but but we also glory in our suffering. So not after it's over, it's um, but it's within it because we know that suffering produces perseverance. As close to perseverance is the word we overuse nowadays, resilience. But actually there is something of the journeying through suffering that if we hold on to Christ, we learn and we grow so much so that we grow in the character and the very life of Christ within us. And character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. And honestly, Greg, this is a way in which I see people, the scales come off their eyes because they realize that they actually said to me in thank you letters, I see that suffering is a great blessing of God. Oh, my word. These are North Korean. I know. But they recognize that. And you see that that, that, isn't, that isn't a blindness or misunderstanding. But they see as every day they have obviously endured, they've then known the richness of Christ in this. And so that's often what I, I te I'm teaching. So students from all around the world, some with similar backgrounds to me, they've raised, been raised in Britain, but others who actually have already endured, but it still gives them a theology to hold on to, because you will know that often some of the first things we need to do when we're traveling is to, to talk about the biblical basis of persecution, which is why Glenn Penner wrote his book, because people didn't know where to put it, probably because Westerners had avoided the subject and many of the churches we're visiting was built upon um, Western missionaries. Yeah, so, and, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, because uh, that wasn't the experience for many Western Christians. Yeah. I mean, that has changed. I mean, through immigration into Canada, I know yeah. many people here in Canada that have come from nations and have stories of persecution. Yes. And so it's starting to be better understood. And I think even through uh, the media, uh, you know, through social media, I mean, I've got, you know, thousands of people on my Facebook account that are in nations where this is going on. So we can't avoid it anymore. We need to embrace it in that sense and to understand it. And then we can learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, before we go, Emma, what have you taken away uh, in your journey as you've met with persecuted Christians? What have you learned and has that strengthened your faith? Has that made you more resilient? Yes, it really has, Greg. Um, I feel, and I'm, this isn't arrogance, but I'm pretty fearless. You know, I don't, I, there's no place I won't go. Um, and there's, and there's certainly, you know, I, I'm in a much more of a position where I, I'm speaking out on behalf of our, our brothers and sisters now. And I'm, I've got, ev I've got everything to gain because, you know, I speak of Christ's people and what they endure. There's a, a great quote from Jim Elliot that sort of sums it up for me, really. Uh, the world cannot hate us. We are too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. You know, and, and then he goes on, how dangerous am I? 
And I think actually, yeah, when we're called to be salt and light, when it is so offensive to the darkness and and the the change that salt brings to things, gosh, we really need to look at how powerful that is because Christ, what he did on Friday and what we remember on Friday and then that silence of Saturday yeah. when, it, when heaven seems to be silent and no one would have known what was happening and then the glory of the resurrection on Sunday. Greg, we have everything to give and everything to receive from the living Lord Jesus and we see that in the lives of our persecutors brothers and sisters and oh my word what a privilege that is oh it's incredible too you know to think about how we get to serve them and and, and it's not just us coming in and you know hey we're going to help you out but it's it's a no. partnership that we have yeah. we learn from each other that's the beautiful mm -hmm. thing about it you know and i was thinking you know even as you were talking we you do become fearless i think as you get closer uh, to you know to the end of your you're life older. yeah <laughs> older you go well you know what what have i got to lose you know yeah. uh it changes but and that's not to be reckless you you, no. you know we we no. you know we need to count the cost and the rest of it but you know where paul was saying i have been crucified with christ it's not i who live but christ who lives in me well that's not just a verse you put on your fridge it's no. something that's real when you understand you know i'm so linked to jesus that I'm willing to give up my life. Now I can say this right now as we're doing this interview, yeah. but there've been times when I've been in countries and I'm sure you felt the same when this fear overwhelms you because you know that there is danger all around. And, and, you know, I'm here with my video camera to tell the story yeah. of persecuted Christians, but sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of it, but we must keep going. And that's why I encourage people to support what we're doing with the voice of the martyrs. It's not about us. And Richard Wormbrand, who started the ministry, would say the same. It's not about us. It's about no. advancing God's kingdom and giving glory to Jesus. That's why we do this. Voice of the martyrs won't be in heaven, um, you know, but the thing about it is, is that we have this incredible privilege right now. So Emma, as we close, I'd just love you to pray for some of the things we talked about. Uh, our sister Sunita, we have Arzu, we have Huma, and we also have people like Leah Sherabu in Nigeria and dozens of other girls from Chabok that uh, are still being held captive in Nigeria and in so many places around the world. Egypt, uh, we're now reporting from Liberia and, and getting involved in what's going in that part of West Africa. So Emma, could you pray for these situations and you know, as we go into, you know, Good Friday and then the resurrection of Jesus, that uh, we all have that incredible hope that we, because of our relationship with him. Lord God, we are in awe of who you are. We are in awe of us being able to know you and love you through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray for the nations right now, Lord, the nations who are warring, the nations who attack our brothers and sisters, the communities in which they are not trusted and they are tricked. And yet, Lord, they stand and they go out to work, they go to school, they serve and they often are fearless themselves, Lord, because of the work of your Holy Spirit in them. And Lord, we know that Leah Sharibu was asked, you know, if you deny your faith, you can leave. And she could not deny her faith. And I know, Lord, that um, people ask her mother, well, who, who raises a youngster like that? And her mother just said, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in her. 
And so I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to be poured into all those that we have named right now, Lord, all those known to us and all those who are unknown. And Lord, let the work of your Spirit echo the actions of your Spirit in the early church. For as they were scattered and persecuted, so your church was grown. And so we pray, Lord, that as we see these sufferings, we pray, Lord, in your mercy, build your church. And Lord, for us, wherever we are, let us not compromise. Let us not put our light under the, the cover. Let us not be weak in our flavour of being salty. Lord, give us boldness to speak out, as our brothers and sisters do. And Lord, as we look ahead to eternity, as we can gaze face to face with you and hear your voice and hear the stream of life and just all that we can see of imagery in, in your scriptures, we pray, Lord, for you to be with us, Emmanuel, such a powerful word to say at Easter, Emmanuel, and be with our brothers and sisters as they long to see you face to face and yet endure at this time. And so we pray these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And let me just pray for you too, Emma. Father, I thank you for Emma and her husband Andy, their family, and longtime servants of you, Jesus. I pray you just continue to give them good health and strength and uh, the areas where they're hurting, Lord, that you would just bring comfort to them, bring healing into their lives. Strengthen them, Lord, for the work that you still have ahead for them. Uh, this Sister Emma is just such a blessing to us at Voice of the Martyrs and, and in a greater way to the body of Christ and continue to use her in a powerful way as she travels and, and hears these tragic stories. And I know it brings her to tears, but there is hope in Jesus. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you just continue to, again, give her strength and vision and, and that purpose, Lord, that you have called her for such a time as this. I just pray your blessing upon her and your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Emma, thank you so much for joining me. Um, we're, again, we're, we're privileged to be able to work with you, you know, a, a long time. Friends, Andy, of yeah. course, was your husband yeah. was on our board for many years yeah. and doing amazing yeah. things. And uh, served our partner ministry, Release International, for many years over in the UK. So appreciate you guys. And uh, I know we're going to continue to work uh, for a long time, Lord willing. Lord. Yeah, yeah, amen. And and uh, we'll continue to bring help, the help that comes from our God. So thank you, Emma. God bless you. Thank you. Again, a special thanks to my friend, Emma Dipper. She is one amazing lady. Emma is the founding director of Gender and Religious Freedom and a partner with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. And by the way, if you'd like to find out more how you can help to bring healing and help to our sisters in Christ around the world, go to vomcanada.com, click on Donate, Special Funds, and Women's Ministry Fund. Thank you for taking the time to join me. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.